Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Relationship Smart Women podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Matheson. And today I get to talk to Katie Dean. She's just this fabulous human and coach and author. She is a woman who gives us permission, permission to be ourselves, to be human, to be imperfect, to be messy, uh, which is the name of her um, book that she's releasing pretty much right now. In our chat, we talk about all that pressure that we put on ourselves to be perfect in relation to parenting, our homes, our relationships, and I also managed to swerve the conversation around to how we look. Uh, Katie shares her journey with her breast implants, which you don't want to miss. And just the whole conversation leaves us feeling like a huge load has been lifted off our shoulders. It is okay to be messy. You can check out Katie's new book, Messy. It's available at Amazon and I think all good bookshops and also at her website, KT, that's a letter K, a letter T, Dean, D-E-A-N dot com dot A-U. And her Instagram handle is ktdean.com.au too. Enjoy this conversation with Katie Dean. Messy, as the tagline says, it's the guide to living wider and giving less forks. So um, I was going to say giving less bucks, but my mum would have killed me. um, Basically, it's for anyone who's felt completely overwhelmed if they're not, you know, brewing their own kombucha and, you know, making their own underwear from organic cotton and feeling like they need to be you know, doing everything from scratch, doing everything at a really high level mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like you're failing and it just doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the best parts of life are in the mess. Like we've all got a tiny shit show going on that no one talks about really and mm-hmm. I think this yeah. whole, this book was about addressing all of that and it's the ultimate anti-self-help book. Someone who's read it, this is so not a self-help book. I don't think we need someone who's always telling us, you need to do this, this, and this to fix your life. I just yeah. think that's horseshit and yeah. so damaging. Um, and, I mean, I write self-help books, so I'm saying that in a way that I just think want to put women back in charge of what they deem is awesome and make those own decisions about that it's okay for life to be messy. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah, you know, like, because it is, there's no denying it, no, no avoiding it. And, Mm -hmm. and like you say, getting permission sometimes is all we need Yeah, to just go, oh, thank God. And it's actually reminding me of, um, of a part in my book that I'm writing. So, and I'd love to kind of get our brains maybe, you know, working on 
where this all fits in with beauty and carrying mm-hmm. the beauty load, right? This mess, this whole like having to be perfect thing. But but just before we, we try and wrap our brains around that, I've got this bit about how one of like my issue with my looks has always been <clears throat> small breasts and mm-hmm. like the amount of insecurity and sense of lack it has given me over the years, like unbelievable really. And what really helped was meeting this woman who was just a role model for small breasts and made it look attractive, sexy, beautiful. And all of a sudden I was just like, boom, like it changed something. It clicked something in my mind and it just all of a sudden became a non-issue. like this role model, but she was just a permission giver. Like that's what she was. She just went, it's okay. And they, like I'm all for the small breast movement, like a hundred percent, but I can totally see like coming from someone who's had implants and now has had them removed. Mm. Um, I'm so much more confident in my body with my little, you know, ski. They're, they're deflated and all whatever. And it also has a lot to do with what I surround myself with. And I think, like, obviously media and all the, like the, all the men's magazines and all of that and what we believe and what are we are shown as being a female womanly figure Mm-hmm. that's changing yeah. I think definitely and a lot of my favorite clothing brands the women are now like if you had ample breasts I don't think you'd be able to wear a lot of it like it's all very like low cut but in a like it's designed to be able to be worn without a bra and it just sort of started making me realize and see the beauty in so many different shapes and it's about that that woman who you've seen who's given you permission to rock a different sort of looking chest. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I, in like we, we hack on the media a lot and we should mm. for so much of what they've presented to us. You know, it's a very controlled medium and it's very airbrushed. It's very all of that. But I think there's definitely, and I can't wait to see your book on this, like there's some positive change and more awareness over what, bodies can look like what bodies do look like and like embracing that absolutely it's still a lot of pressure it's still a lot of pressure I think on one hand Instagram is really good for Mm -hmm. that because there are so many role models for different shapes sizes Mm -hmm. looks you know um whatever you can find it on Instagram and you can follow these people and they can be your permission givers. But at the same time, you know, you've got that scrolling through these per- perfect images, making you feel like complete shit about your, like, your life. Yeah. Kind of sure. gives and it takes in the, with the same hand. Yeah. I mean, that's where you've got to be ruthless with your social media, like who you follow. Yeah. I actually have recently I was following like 1,600 people, which is ridiculous. In, in my, I love Instagram. That's like, I love it, love it, love it, love it. I'm all about the gram. But I was, I really had to come back and do like a gram audit and I got rid of, I think like 700 people that yeah. I was following and it was just like, that's also okay. It's nothing personal. Like I still, if I, you know, it's not like I hate these people or anything. It's just like, 
is this, you know, does this align with where I see my life right now? Is this inspiring me right now? Is, do I connect with this person's message? Is this challenging me in a good way? Because mm. that's important as well. We're like we don't want to shy away from our triggers yeah. because that's where the healing is and then we go like, well, why is that triggering us? But we don't need to follow people who are making us feel less, well, no one can make you feel, but who are continuously evoking a feeling of less than within ourselves without the encouragement to do some work around it. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's just not necessary. And I mean, like I, when I was building a home, I had so many home things on there and now I'm the, like, even on that level, it's like not really vibing on the wallpaper ones now. <laughs> So it's like, unfollow that. And I think that's okay to just constantly be checking in with yourself. Yeah. So who likes what and what doesn't. So essential. And and just coming back to beauty, you know, and that just that idea, I think that we we are so much more critical of ourselves than we are, say, of our girlfriends, right? It's like totally. I need to be this perfect goddess or else I am just so harsh on myself and like telling myself I'm you know not looking good enough and nothing looks good and there's nothing to wear and I need to fix this or fix that whereas my girlfriends I'm like you're beautiful yeah it's that gathering evidence like we're offensive when it comes to us and I know especially now being 37 and single that you know like when most of the time I'm cool like I don't even have a full-length mirror here I'm just cruising through my day but when it comes time to put that um put myself in a situation where it's possible to meet people I start noticing like oh my next you know the the perfectly age-appropriate things but the skin on my neck's not looking like how it used to or Mm -hmm. you know like you're getting the like the jowly type thing also perfectly age-appropriate however I'm very conscious of not being 24 Mm -hmm. and being you know and then it's like we do the whole work around well no they're gonna have to like me for me and I like me for me and I've earned these oh this exhausting exhausting like we know that but it's still there you're still like we know the rational minds like it's not important you've earned these stripes and whatever and like having the breast implants out I now have big scars underneath and one boob's bigger than the other and they've breastfed two babies and very different you know and so that whole like you know what's someone going to think of my body naked no yeah I know yeah which, which I am sure there are a lot of women in, in yeah. your situation. You know, you've maybe had some babies, you're, you find yeah. yourself single and you've got this different body now to when you yeah. were dating before. Totally. Yeah. So that's going to, that's always like a, oh, but then you, I mean, you can work through it and that's why we do what we do. It's interesting. And I talk about this in my book that in our heads, um, it seems to us in those moments mm-hmm. that beauty is like 100% of what matters Yeah. when it comes to attraction. Yeah. But no one's going to be attracted to this, which mm-hmm. is such bullshit, right? Yeah, like, totally. And it's like I always think of Elizabeth Gilbert wrote it in Eat, Pray, Love, and I think it's in the movie as well. Like she's, 
when it's in the movie where they're trying to get the jeans on and one of the girls is like, oh, he's not going to love me, my jeans are not going to go up, do up. And she's like, mate, have you ever been in a bedroom with a man naked and had them walk out on you? She's like, no, like <laughs> they've got a naked woman in there. They won the lottery. Like good. they don't care. I don't think we give men enough credit in the aspect of, their depth of what they are looking for in terms of what would attract them to women. And it's really what we think it is. Oh, I totally agree. And I actually think a lot of our beauty anxiety is warped and much more about women. What women want um, is much more our own neurosis. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know when I'm getting ready, I want to put things off. I'm not thinking about what the man or the partner's doing. I'm thinking about what's going to make me feel good in that situation. Yeah. Or we're all out, we went out for dinner on Saturday night and all of us girls were messaging each other, what are you wearing, what are you wearing, what are you wearing, so that we'd all be matched up, I guess, with like we're all, no one's looking too dressed up, no one's looking too casual. Uh-huh. Yeah. No one, I didn't even think of that until now. So collectively and then one of my girlfriends was like I'm not going to wear a skirt and the other one was like please you've got to wear a skirt because otherwise I'm going to be in a skirt and we're grown-ass women yeah who are still carrying on like this because we all no one wants to stand out too much but then everyone wants to be not like still visual and it's just it's a landmine field and like you're right it's about fitting in isn't it yeah, everyone, no one wants to, yeah, no one wants to stand out too much, just enough, but not so much that yeah. it's awkward. So so what's the messy, uh, I'm wondering how comfortable you would be about to tell us a little bit about getting comfortable with your breasts. Oh, yeah. Your journey with that and maybe just incorporating some of your messy insights, like tips. So... For me, it was a really slow and long process. Mm-hmm. But for me, because um, they they had to come out for health reasons first, up. one had ruptured, so it had to come out. But the thought of getting them back in again was just not an option. The the great, but he still was like, you know. Yeah, they're not going to look how you think they're going to look. Um, but that was also okay because my, my top priority was my health. Yeah. And I wasn't feeling well. I was definitely not feeling well from them. And I was in because a lot of Because of the rupture. Because of the rupture, yeah. And it had actually flipped oh. as well. Um, but I was getting a lot of pain. And it all happened really quickly. Um, once that came about, like, yeah, it was all happening from when I went to see the doctor because this pain was getting so bad, which I'd put up with for probably like nine or ten months. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, oh, it's just from breastfeeding. You know how you do get little twinges and things? Yeah, hard to tell them two apart, I imagine. No, I was just putting it off, putting it off. And then it started to become so severe and I I went to the doctor. The next day they were ultrasounding me and I was into the doctor the next week for six days later surgery. They were like, these have got to come out. No, there's lumps, it's bad. But it turned out fine, but that was part of it. So it was all 
quite, there wasn't a lot of time to think about it, only that you need to get it done. But there was absolutely moments where I stood and was like, well, who is going to want me now? Yeah. That was the, the first nasty thought was that 100%. And then obviously I just sat with that for a while because that's a real genuine concern for when you've had implants for 10 years to then add on to everything. Obviously, I wouldn't try and wish it away and say you're not allowed to have that thought or that's ridiculous because it wasn't. It didn't feel ridiculous. And that's the thing with any of these limiting beliefs or these just really unkind things. Don't, to then ridicule yourself by having them just makes it worse. Like, well, it actually keeps you stuck, doesn't it? Because yeah. you, you can't process that then. Yeah. It's just, no, you're allowed to think that way and we'll work on that when you're ready. So after that, then it became, you know, like the healing process is pretty intense and the drains and all of that. But then finding ways to fall in love with my new body. And, I mean, the breasts and our skin is amazing. Mm. Just like your, your giant pregnancy belly. Yeah. It goes back. So yeah. all that extra skin that I had has gone back. Yeah. Like, and they just look like not well, the different sizes and the rest of it, but most of ours are. Yeah. And I've, you know, found, changed my clothing style again. Mm. I treated myself to clothes that I was going to feel good in actually like over time and started to fall in love with all the things that were great about having smaller breasts. Like you can exercise really well again. You can, you, you can go to the beach and it's just not as comfortable. Like I can sleep on my stomach a lot better. And it's again, that gathering evidence for what's important. Yeah. You know, like I, they honestly made, I felt more insecure with them in hindsight. Yeah. Than what I did without them. Why is that? Do you think? I always felt like a bit of a fraud with them. Yep. I, they were much bigger than I thought that they were going to be. Like I, that's the doctor's choice in the end because you can make, Request, but then you also say, well, we'll leave it up to you to decide once I'm under. And I wanted to become a full C, but I came out like a double D. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. And I was also so different to what you I was also so young. I think I was only like 27. Yeah. And too scared to speak up. And I just thought that this is what it was. And this is, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this is fine. And blah 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 like the rest of it that's so, fine. so initially did it did it make you feel different about your body did it make you have I never more loving it. thoughts no oh. definitely not no. I if I'm like I knew they got attention at some things my partner at the time loved them they is very into them um <laughs> but yeah it was it never did what I thought it was going to do because the issue wasn't about my boobs. It was about me not feeling good about who I am. Not that I thought that at the time. Yeah. I waited a few years. Like I was researching for two to three years before I got them. It wasn't like a, you know, rash thing. But it wasn't until the last sort of couple of years, especially when I started having children, I realized that I'm not, these are really not my friends. Like I'm also in saying that I was like, well, I have them. I'm going to make the most of them. 
Um, but I, you would never have caught, like I never wore revealing shirts out. I was always, I'm always being like a t-shirt and jeans kind of girl. I spent more time trying to cover them up so that I'd be respected and taken seriously. This is just me thinking this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, personally, rather than trying to accentuate them. And I was like, well, I needed them to be in proportion and all of, I try and convince myself of my love of them, but I really didn't. But you really and, didn't. And then you started having thoughts of these are not my friends. This yeah, these aren't my friends. Like these and are then not. You yeah. kind of somehow manifested that they needed to come out there. I don't know, maybe. Like I honestly, and then I, yeah, something happened. Or on, I must have known on a level, I don't know, but I started to separate myself from them oh. a long time before they had to come out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then breastfeeding, they were ginormous. It was ridiculous. Um, oh God, yeah. But I didn't struggle the way that I thought I would emotionally around it. I feel, I feel sexier in my body without them yeah. so much. Yeah. I look like I'm, my whole shape has changed and I don't have that pressure on my chest. Like it was actual. It was pressure. Pressure. Like I, I remember even laying in hospital after they'd taken them out that I had this, I could breathe. Yeah. Like my lung capacity totally changed. So like even with drains and I was just like, <gasps> felt like I could take a deep breath for the first time in 10 years. And when you think about how important breath is. Far out. It's not surprising to me that, well, I mean, there's over 30 chemicals and toxins in a bag and then we place them right above our most important organs. For cleansing. Like, yeah. what do we do? Like, why do we? And I'm not hacking on anyone who has them or loves them. I've got some girlfriends who rock them and own them and love them and they feel really great about themselves and they look great. Yeah. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. And I, it, in the end, it wasn't even up to me. It was, yeah. yeah. even though I think I would have got them out, but then it's like you spend all this money getting them in and then you're like, I don't want to. Yeah. So I'm grateful for the health scare. Look, I think there's there's so much. There's a, I'm really glad we're talking about this actually because I talk about this in my book as well yeah. because it's all part of the beauty load, right? And and actually, we think with the beauty, the beauty load is is like the mental emotional load. You know, mm-hmm. it's just this pressure on our shoulders, constantly thinking about it, and we're constantly thinking about our our look, our, are we pretty enough? Like not consciously necessarily, but quite often consciously and if not consciously, subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what you've illustrated here so nicely is that we feel the beauty load when we have this imperfection that we want to be, we want fixed, but then we go get it fixed. The beauty load doesn't go away. Mm-mm. It's still there and it's all about, Am I looking too exposed? Are Mm -hmm. these, are people looking at me as though I'm a fraud? Are these, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It just morphs and shifts and changes. Yeah. But it's, I just really wish, and I said it to one of my clients the other day, like, I really, I hope, like, I want you to stop looking for things to fix. Mm. Like, we've got to give ourselves permission for things to be how they are. Like, it's not. 
there's this there's this nirvana that's out there that's sold to us by so many industries that if we just fix this or if this just changes or like in our relationships as well if they just do this little thing differently then everything would be okay if they or, just stopped doing that yeah. then i'd be fine and it's like well no it's that that constant and i mean we're in the industry where we're constantly where we do we encourage change and we encourage growth but there's a point where you've got to look and see is that how is this becoming helpful this search or seeking or understanding of who you are that's helpful but this constant need to the next level, the next thing, the next. Well, it's a thro- yeah. it's throwaway culture, isn't it? It's like yeah. if we ever need something, we just go buy it. If it looks slightly broken, we just go replace it. And we kind yeah. of are approaching ourselves, our partners, our bodies the same way. It's like broken. Yeah. Next. Next. Well, you know, if I just get this, yeah, totally, totally. Mm. And I mean, I'm all for doing what you want to do to make yourself, if you like, if something is going to, if you put makeup on or do whatever, or something cosmetically is going to help when you look in the mirror and you don't see what you used to see or something, make go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Like that's, I am never going to say don't do that. But is it like, you've got to get really clear on, is it actually, are you trying to fix something? Or are you running from something? Or uh, like what's your why around it? That's the real. And do you have to do that to be okay? Yeah. Mm. Never. Like that's the, it's like honestly, it's, it's a land, it's like a rabbit hole, isn't it? It's like you can constantly go down. Yeah. But I love that, that really your message of messy is, is so powerful actually because in all of these, <laughs> if, if we can embrace the imperfection and mm. the messiness, we're kind of okay. Always. Always. Yeah. Always fine because it's, it's about being able to throw the rule book out the window yeah. every day and yeah. go, well, what's going to feel okay today? What is going to get us through that? If that means that the kids are having some, you know, some device time and you've got to order takeaway tonight because you've got work to do and what is going to be in the greatest good for everyone involved and the least amount of drama, then let's do that. Or if it's going to be the next day, it might be, no, we're all going outside today, work can wait. Yeah. Um, you know, that what feels good today? This deadline needs to get done, so we've got to do that. It's just not living to a set of unattainable and restricting rules that are probably not even yours exactly exactly so is that the key is to work out what's important for you i think it's one of them i think it well it's probably the most important and constantly evaluating what success looks like for you what joy and playfulness looks like to you And what, you know, like I've got some beautiful friends who ferment all their own foods. They like activate their almonds. They've got jars everywhere, like high importance for them. And I can see why it's beautiful. I love it. I love watching them do it. I just don't do it. 
then it's got I've got other friends who knit all their kids clothes from scratch because she loves it do not do that it's not a priority for me but for me like my a big priority for me with the boys is getting outside going to the beach going doing activities every day and because I'm out there doing all of that I don't have time to ferment the almonds no that's true so it's like and I'm definitely not knitting their clothes so it's like you can't can you imagine if I tried to get the boys some clothes? They would last me like 10 seconds. So who's the woman that's out there going to the beach, knitting the clothes and fermenting the almonds? No one. No one. No one's doing that if they are. Like, like that's just their priority and that is also totally fine. But I don't think we can do it all in, that, in the way, the traditional sense that everything's, women can do it all, like or anyone, like for that instance. We can't do it. We can do all the things. We just can't do it all at once. Yeah. And our, and even if you don't, like, I don't want to do it all. No. If I have enough trouble doing what I'm doing. But you do a shit ton. Just want to put that there. I mean, explain to us, <clears throat> you're a single mom with yes. two quite young, energetic. They're mad. Attention. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. you're at a phase where your attention is really required. Yeah. My kids are 14 and 11, so... It's different, you know, like the different amount. Season. They need me, but it doesn't need supervision. I can have a shower. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you kind of make it look like you are doing, like you're writing books, you're a coach, you have an online business, you have a podcast. Yeah. Um, you don't look all that messy. <laughs> it's messy. It's very messy. But what I think I have learned to do well is my boundaries around what I am able to do huh. in terms of I say no a lot to I'm in bed with the boys they go to bed at like between 7 and seven thirty, and then I go to bed yeah I'm not up till all hours because I can't I can't um my sleep is one of my most valuable things that I I have and if I mess with that then my anxiety starts to I can tell, like, I'll start getting weird about their lunchboxes and things, and it's like because they've been waking all through the night. Yeah. Um, so once you're starting to get weird about their lunchboxes, you're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're going down that rabbit hole. You need to pull back. But yeah. it was like the other weekend when they went to their dad's, I had a lot of social things planned. Yeah. I could feel myself starting to get sick and run down. Like, my body was tired. So I cancelled it all, and I literally stayed in. Because I have to take care of the tank and yeah. I can't, you know, like I have two days a week where Oki goes to daycare, he's my Lilla, so I try and fit it all in there. But that also means saying no to coffees on yeah. those days, saying no to a lot of the other fun things that I want to do. But it's like I know how much better I'll feel when I get my podcast done. And I know how much better I'll feel when, you know, I tick off my work list. Yeah. But I don't schedule ridiculous. I know what I can do now yeah. and I know what I need to be able to do it. Like I don't jam-pack my days at all in terms of like with friend things if I've got to work. Like I know if I'm turning up to do a speaking gig or something, that couple of hours beforehand has got to be really quiet. Otherwise I don't deliver Yeah, there. Like I carry that... <gasps> momentum so things it might look like I'm doing I guess there's lots of there's lots of projects going but in fairness it took me over a year to write the book mm. 
and I finished it in January. Mm-hmm. So it's only now being released in October. Uh-huh. So there's been a lot of time. So it's okay. like, yeah. Um, and I think social media can make us forget that. So, and the podcasts, I record a few of them when the boys are away. Yeah. So, because when I have them, you know what it's like with two and five year olds. Like, I have them. They don't give a shit if I've got to go and record <laughs> no. a podcast. They will just tear the place apart. Yeah. So I can't do it when they're there. And that helps me. But to say that um, I didn't, I wouldn't get anxious if mm-hmm. there's deadlines and things coming up and because they've, they've been really sick this winter with like pneumonias and bronchitis and croup oh. been, it's been feral been uh, yeah they haven't been at school and I know I've got things to do mm. I get anxious when I can't do them and I'm like <gasps> yeah you yeah. know and that's all. when you actually need to go it's okay to be for it to be late, for it to yeah. be messy, for it to not happen today or, yeah, yeah. to be and the mother that I'm being called to be. Or. Well, that was like the other day when I thought I had to, see, I thought I had to change our podcast because I'm like, I just can't do it today because I'd been out, I think it was like eight times with the boys with crew uh-huh. the night before and I was so quick to say, look, I'm going to have to reschedule. I don't think I can do it because I know what I need to show up for yeah. the people who I want to show up for. And if I'm not feeling it, it's a firm no. I just yeah. can't. And so, I, so what I'm taking from this is you've got your priorities right and you've got your boundaries in place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. Yeah. And I'm ruthless in holding up my boundaries yeah. to the point it's where some people would say, but that's so rude to cancel yeah. or that's, you know, that's, um, not fair to do that to someone or you make a commitment, you should be able to honour it. And to those people, I'd say, awesome, well, do you want to come over and take the night shift? And <laughs> great, <laughs> look after the kids and I'll um, come and do that. Like, But <laughs> it's... But being on the receiving end of that, it would not feel rude to me, whereas I've had a podcast interviewee before who has been there in body but not enthusiasm or spirit. Yeah. And I've ended up just culling that episode. It's like, yeah, this is just, this is rude. Yeah. Like if you're giving someone or if someone has invited you, which I think is so, like I'm incredibly grateful Mm. to get to talk to you and anyone who's kind enough or who thinks enough to want me to come Mm. and be there with them, then I want to show up and I'm present. And if I can't give you that, then, then I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. And thankfully the only times people have been pissed if I've had to cancel and I don't make a habit of it, but because I'm generally pretty clear on what I can do, but the only people it's socially who get mm. mad, people who are, in, especially women, generally understand what we're, as a collective, capable of. Yeah. And if we can't do it, we're like, especially if someone's been in, like a mother who gets it and it's like, mate, you need to, you know, you don't have to do that. Like a great recently we had a beautiful woman designing the cover of Messy. Mm. Um, 
And the poor thing, her three children all went, and herself all went down with influenza. Oh, God. Like, bad, really bad. And it was like it dragged on for about two and a half weeks, and yeah. she just couldn't do it. And I could see it in her messages that things were, she just was, she was in it, like babies, three babies. Worst. Totally. And I was like, being a ma, I was like, do you, do you want us to take this off your plate like I am totally fine to do that like we can get someone else and she just sent this beautiful big well of like the crying emoji she's like oh my god thank you because we just can't do it all like yeah we can't we shouldn't have to and there's unforeseeable circumstances and pressure that we just yeah. don't need to do and we're all human and yeah yeah it's messy. It is messy. It's messy. And we, we got it in our heads that it's neat and tidy. Who's living that? Who's watching that movie? Because I am not watching that movie. But, I was, um, I was yeah. recently picking up, dropping off a, my, uh, my daughter's friend um, to a family who were heading off to go camping the next morning. Yeah, she was just like, "I'm so sorry, thank you for dropping her home." But I was just so stressed because we're going on holidays in the morning, and I have to always wash every sheet and every towel before, before we go. And I was like, "Really? Oh. <laughs> so like, you can't just leave it." She's like, "It would kill me. I wouldn't be able oh. to sleep at night." And I was like, "Oh, honey." <laughs> yeah, I can't even tell you the last time I washed the sheets. <laughs> Honestly, <gasps> that's a problem. Maybe today. <laughs> Maybe today now. I washed the pillowcases, I know that. But I just it's not a priority. The kids no. are always bath before they go to bed. Yeah. They're, they're only little people, they're not like big stinky oh, men. Look at, at that age I remember it was usually they were usually changed after some kind of a, a sheet. An accident. Yeah. And I mean it's just but see again, a her, your friend's priorities, that's a real that's a ten out of ten for her. Yeah. Whereas I'm stoked if the beds are made, you know, and that's not saying either one is wrong. And I can't remember the last time I made my bed. Yeah, so. see, <laughs> making my bed is like the for, I do it every morning before I do anything else. Like that is a must do. It's yeah. only a doona. I'm literally pulling it up and throwing <laughs> some pillows in. It's not like tucking sheets. But I know how quickly my day can go to shit. Yeah. And that just makes me feel like I've done something. You've done something well. Yeah. You've done something. You've started the I've day started. doing something I've well. achieved something, if nothing else. And then as soon as I jump in the shower, like there's a good chance that one of the three of them, Ruby being my dog, is going to come up and jump on it and whatever anyway. So it, it gives me like 30 seconds of satisfaction and control over my life and then it all just... And then it all unfolds from there. And that's fine. It's just you've got to get okay with lowering the bar. Yeah, yeah. Because keeping that bar up here is just driving us all mental. Yes. Like that's one of the chapters in the book. It's like lower the bar. Like the, the key to happiness is virtually having it on the ground. And I love, I love that your first book was Becoming Brave, right? Because yeah. and I'll, I'm really taking in this message of lowering the bar because I think it, like as as a woman who's got three weeks before her her book draft is due, like I can't produce anything if my bar is up there. No, like it's done. You've just got to like true. 
is better than perfect. Yeah. So especially in terms of writing a book, you just have to write what's true to you, not what's perfect. Yeah, okay. And it's just let it all out. And you you write for you and you edit for your audience. Okay. Mm-hmm. I took heaps out and I went through the, one of the last ones because I was sharing so much like things that just weren't necessary to be in there had to be written, Yeah. especially about my ex-relationship. It's not necessary to be in the book and yeah. shared amongst everyone, but I wrote it for me and some of it was really angry and it's like, well, that's not, it's just not needed. It's not needed on that. The message is this, the whys aren't necessary. Mm-hmm. So you write for you, edit for them. That's a lovely way to look at it. I like that. I think so. Right. It's freeing anyway because it's messy. <laughs> messy. And like you say, the bar has to be. So low. So low. Done. Oh, do Done is good. That just feels like a balm for me hearing oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, honestly, that's like we do, like my children obviously haven't been breastfed or fed in this way, but fed is best yeah. here. Yeah. Like in anything, like we try and eat really well. I'll cook, but I spend so much time like doing all the veggies, doing all these things, and they won't eat it. So it always then resorts to toast or pasta with cheese on it or something that, and I'm just like, if you're going to bed with a full tummy, yeah, we're good. Yeah. We're good. But I could easily, and I did spend a long time driving myself batty about that. Yeah. And it's like, I those being in tears. Yeah. You know, like my, I would make these beautiful, delicious organic vegetable little things, freezer tray them, you know, like following all the other mums and he would only eat Heinz like little tinned baby food. And I was like, no, I want to be one of those organic mums. I totally, totally. And And he would not play games. No, no. That's it. And it's like, I know I have felt such shame. I don't anymore as much like, you know, the pouches, the little organic pouches and things. Sometimes that is all my little guy. He's like, no pouch, no pouch. And I know that there's going to be mums listening to this guy. He didn't have it in the house and he wouldn't be able to get it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I get that. Um, but some days I will, you just got to whatever. Or if we go to the beach and when he was really little and my friends are bringing out the little steamed broccoli or like braised beef cheeks and this like because they're all not grain free and all the rest of it. And I'd be like, geez, I'm struggling to get the two kids out the door. Like, I'm not getting happening today. We're here, here, throw a pouch, you're good. And now they're a lot more varied in what they eat. But with just, I don't know, I would then have to explain to my friends, like, please don't judge me. We had like a poo explosion as we were coming out the door, and I didn't get a chance to get the lunchbox. And it's like one of my other friends felt really guilty because we're all rocking around with our keep cups, right? Yeah. With our coffee at the beach and whatever. And she had, she had like a normal disposable coffee cup. The shame on her face. And I was like, mate, like, can we just lose the guilt? Like the fact that you're that concerned about it shows that you care enough. Like enjoy your coffee. And you're probably doing 15 other things today. That exactly. Exactly. It's like, let's rinse it out. The kids can build castles with it. You'll take it home, dispose of it thoughtfully, and we'll carry on. It doesn't need to mean what you're making it mean in this moment. 
that, you know, you're hating the earth and you want to kill all the turtles. Like, it doesn't mean that. It just means that you're a mum, you really needed a coffee and you forgot your keep cup. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to finish up now because I have kept you for a very long time, but I just feel this whole chat we're having as such a balm um, of just, oh, relief. (laughs) Thank you. I'm loving, I always love chatting with you. It's always easy. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I love it. Um, But I just want maybe one last piece of advice for a woman who's just like, I don't know, she's just stressing. Mm -hmm. She's just feeling like a bit of a failure. Um, I don't know, maybe she's got the breast implants or maybe she Mm -hmm. um, really not happy with extra weight she's put on or maybe she's right in the thick of a divorce or... Mm -hmm her babies are not sleeping or whatever, what would you say? All of it. (laughs) All of it. I was there for all of that. That was all the boxes, right, in the bang of it. Um, That it's okay. It's totally fine that you aren't digging your body right now or you're not loving your breast implants or you really do love your breast implants and are not are feeling really triggered by this conversation, that's fine. Mm. There's no rule book to any of it. Like there's honestly no one is going to give you an award at the end of your life and say congratulations on being like peopling really well. Like it just doesn't exist. There's no best human award for any of it. So like I'm massive for... um, tuning in to what's really important for you in that moment and it might change day for day to day, mm. giving yourself permission to do whatever you need to do to feel okay in that moment. Like if it is, you know, um, you're not loving your body right now, that's okay. So what do you need to do to feel okay about that? And generally it's doing something body positive, like moving your body. I'm not talking about going and smashing yourself in the gym. I'm talking about like going for a walk or stretching. Mm-hmm. Like not something to for an outcome, but something to just get you in your body mm-hmm. and appreciating your body. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, whatever it is, or if you're going through a divorce and you're totally maxed out, the same thing applies that it's totally okay to be where you are right now mm-hmm. and not wish it away because that's where the the magic is like I'm, when I was eight months pregnant with Oki and separated, obviously, my mum looked at me and she's like, don't worry, Katie, you won't be pregnant and alone forever. Said, Soon you'll be divorced with two kids. And she meant it in the nicest possible way. And I was just like, holy shit. But it's, we're constantly always evolving and moving and it's all, it's all fluid. And right? at the time, yeah. you were probably thinking this is the worst situation. Yeah. Like you probably would have like, could it get yeah. any But looking, looking back in hindsight, I bet you that's like the start of your whole new life. Yeah. I mean, I think the worst situation was being married at that point. Right. That was the worst. Yeah. Like 
feeling and no discredit to him or anything it was because I don't want to talk about that like that's past but um feeling how I was then that situation was far worse than anything that was going to come after because I had to do the because what came after was me having to do the work around how I view myself and the world but I wasn't held prisoner by how the world viewed me anymore I set myself free from that yeah with that decision yeah. uh, well fuck this this is not okay I'm gonna go this way and then that immediately sets you up on a path of well what else are you gonna say well yeah what next you know what I mean like it's great giving yourself permission and giving other people when you give yourself permission for things like that if no one's no one can tell you what to do in that situation so sometimes you do have to make your own decision about these big life choices like if it's booking a ticket, if it's selling your house. One of my other friends just sold, her and her husband, her family sold their house and they're travelling around Australia in a van with the two kids. Amazing. But if you would have waited for permission from some people to do that, they would have said it was reckless and crazy and you need the nest egg, but they're doing it. So it's like sometimes you have to give yourself permission yeah. and then sometimes it's okay to seek that reassurance and that permission in other people. And like you say, there is no rule book, so... No nope. failing because there oh. no. well, failure is a feeling, not a destination, right? Yeah, yep, that's so right. It's just a sense of it's actually a story we create that creates that feeling too, isn't it? It's like yeah, I'm definitely not afraid of failing. Yeah. That's I went to a workshop and. I had just finished speaking and was listening, and they are the speaker asked who he's afraid of failing and he's like everyone's afraid of failing like everyone and I'm sitting there and like, I've been pondering that and I'm like now I'm really not frightened to fail like it does not bother me because I don't see it in the way that like I don't even know what that would look like like failing like yeah okay so if the book comes out and it doesn't sell a lot I, I don't see that I'm not defining success by the book sales. Yeah. This is the fact that I wrote the book. Yes. That's, I'm not placing emphasis on that. I don't see my marriage as having failed because it ended. Yeah. I don't see that. I don't see, I just, I, I don't try and put, I don't celebrate the big wins too much because I just see that as another cool step like I don't there's no made it or it's just all part of the path I just I think that yeah I really I've sat on that a lot I just don't think failure is not an option because yeah I don't see it as that way because you're in the arena yeah I'm happy to be here the fun part is writing the books and making the podcasts and if a podcast flops that's fine I'm not I don't judge people because some of my favorite podcasts that I listen to, some that I jam with and others that I don't, I don't think anything less if the, there's a conversation between two people that I don't love. Yeah. I don't give too much thought to that not being Absolutely. great. I'm just like, oh, I'm not vibing with that one. Carry on. I'll try again. Yeah. So to put weight on that, I just don't think. And it's the same thing. Yeah. With so many areas, you've just got to look at the power that you're giving something. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, and what you're making it mean. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to mean that. No, we don't. We put too much pressure on and expectations, which are the devil, mm. on the outcomes of things and we're missing the point. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with the outcome. Mm. Like 99% of the time, like you don't run a marathon to finish. You run a marathon, like you can't, you can't get to the finish line of a marathon without every single tiny little step yeah. that gets you there. Like it's just, I just don't think, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's pretty important to finish it. <laughs> like a marathon in that respect, you wouldn't take away from that, but you wouldn't get there if you hadn't had every step. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really liberating place to be though, where you can't actually wreck your brain around and I, the idea of failing in your life. I think that's yeah, not right a now. And that's massive load off because it just means you're free to try to, to live, to just yeah. do your thing. Yeah. I mean, and I have like things that I need to do, like with, we're doing a big launch event and I've got a certain number of tickets yeah. to sell to, so that I'm not out of pocket, you yeah. know, and that I feel that like to say that I don't feel pressure that's not true, but it wouldn't take away from anything if I didn't sell them. Yeah. Yeah. It would just be like, oh, shit. But yeah. I also still have the, maybe I'm living in a fantasy world. I still know that I'll do it. I know that I'll do what I need to do to sell the tickets. Yeah. And so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll just step up and you'll I'll just, just step up and we'll just, yeah, there's always, there's always options. So, so. One way of trying to sell those tickets might not work, but that's yeah. not failure. That's just like working out what works and what doesn't, and then you'll just yeah. do something different, right? Yeah, pivot. It's not you won't go into the story of nobody wants to come. I'm a failure. I may as well just give up, which I think is is I don't know. It's it's tempting for yeah. our scared little self that actually is happier just hiding at home. Yeah. What's, what, what, what are you having it mean? And that's not to say that I don't, like, I didn't have a thought when because there was 90 tickets. Yeah. And so that's like I'm, I'm asking 90 people yeah. to give up their time and then it's like, oh, the pressure to deliver for 90 people. But no, I'm, I'm doing... I, I'll and I'll acknowledge that that thought has come up, and I'll be like, okay, well, what does, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, and then is that what I want to take on as my truth? And no, mm-hmm. like I know I will give everyone a good time. I'm also not responsible for their experience. Yeah, but I'm going to show up, and when I show up in my best, and this is what we're doing, and we're celebrating, and that like I'm also not holding the happiness because I refuse to do that of 90 women in my hands because no. that's too much like that's crazy yeah to do that it's like everyone has to create their own experience but this is what I can be in charge of and so you can feel it for yourself and mm. it can radiate out of you yeah but I mean, you've got to, it's not about not having these thoughts and not no, doubting yourself. No. I think that's a lovely reminder, actually, that we do have these thoughts. All the time. And they can become stuck and, you know, solidify, but they don't have to. 
No, they don't have to live and there. They don't have to mean that there's that. behind it. Yeah. Because we're human. We're human. And it's normal for us to, like our brains question everything that we do all day, every day. Mm. It's just what it's meant to do. It's a computer. It's gathering. It's processing. Yeah. But what you choose to focus on, and I think there's a big misconception that you only have to decide it once. And then, ta-da. Just choose what you want to focus on. And then for the rest of your life, you'll be set. No. No. There's like, <laughs> I read somewhere that to create a new neural pathway, it takes up to over 200 repetitious instances yeah. to solidify that new way to be. And even then, you're still going to want to go the old way. Yeah. So it's like a lifelong yeah, because the, the old neural pathway is pretty bloody solidified, you know? Totally. Like it's, it's been repeated more than 200 times. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to, it's just you've a commitment. Do you know, yeah. I actually find as a coach, uh, um, you know, just in solidarity with you as a, as a coach, that it simply comes back to that. It's like, how did you go with last week's session and maybe the the homework that we had, which was to, you know, interrupt your stories and remind yourself of this? And they're like, yeah, it worked, but it's not enough. You know, and that's that's kind of like what we get. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but but you had that you have that little tiny snapshot of yeah. yes, it worked. That's it. Like Yeah. We've told you all the secrets. Actually, it's about turning that snapshot into your whole life now. That's it. That simple. It's so true. It's yeah. like you've done it once, you've felt it, you can do it again. Yeah. It's like you've got to call like We in. give you the pill that makes that turns that into your whole experience. It's, yeah. the, it's the showing up and the practice and the repetition that turns that into your whole experience. And I think that's we have so much resistance to that because it's a lot of bloody work, right? It's a lot of work. Yeah. But... So is staying miserable uh-huh. and so is staying stuck and hating on yourself and, you know, but it's that, that quote that we have to get sick and tired of our own bullshit yeah. before we're willing to, you know, make a change. That was paraphrasing Elizabeth Gilbert, but mm-hmm. honestly that's what it is and I think we're lazy as a collective, like we just want that silver bullet and... Well, it's back to that fixing culture, isn't it? Yeah, do this and everything will be fine. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, now things are probably going to feel worse because you probably, now you're aware Yeah. and now you've got these boundaries in place. Now you're going to have to hold those boundaries, which is also going to make you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But when you do it, every time you hold strong on what is going to make you feel good, you're going to get that ping yeah. of that worked. Oh, okay. So you've then gathered evidence to support that when you hold your boundary that's going to mean good things for you. But it's that you can't, you, you've got to, you can't have confidence in your ability without the courage to be wrong first. Yeah. Courage, confidence comes from t- having the courage to do the thing. Yeah. To change the thought process, to set, write the book, to do that. Then once you've completed that, you get the confidence tick. Oh, okay, I can do that follow that away and then that's just what it's accumulating little ticks yeah 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 and evidence the whole way along um i am gonna let you go in a minute but i just want to bring that back to a, a little 
insight I had the other day because I'm writing my first book, right? And yeah. um, it's scary as all fuck. Like mm-hmm. words don't even describe. And it's interesting because I have my big book idea, mm-hmm. Why Am I a Bitch, Someone I Love? And I'm like, I can't write that as my first book. I just know that's not my first book. Yeah. The beauty one's the first book because I need to practice. And I've, I've found myself so easily swayed by other people. Yeah. And I've, I felt like I had this moment where I was like, this is just like when I had my first baby. I was so easily swayed. The midwife had me in stirrups. Oh. I didn't want stirrups, but I didn't have a voice. You know, I didn't have any experience, any wisdom, any part of me that thought they could say no, that's not what I need. Second birth, I walk in and just go, this is how it's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's the beauty of experience, isn't it? Well, that's it. We just, you never, it's like the first pancake. Uh-huh. Like you're making Always shit. Always shit. The pan's too hot, the batter's too runny, whatever. Yeah. No one nails the first pancake. And I think yeah. that that's like, that's really important to remember, yeah. you know. Like when I think back to my first ebook, oh, my God. Like so basic, but it was my first ebook. Yeah, and you had to do your first ebook to get to your second book. And- yeah, and I'm sure in time, like everything, like we've got to give ourselves permission to grow mm-hmm. and we've got to give ourselves permission to suck. Yeah. Yeah. Like really terrible at something. Yeah. That's fine. Like why are we so scared of being terrible at something? Yeah. I don't know. I'm really terrible at a lot of things. <laughs> but that doesn't, like I was doing burpees at the gym and my two friends are having a full conversation while they're doing burpees. They're like super, they're just bouncing around. I winded myself. Like I went down with such force that I took the wind out and just had to sort of roll over. But I still did a couple more. I definitely lied about how many I did. Just <laughs> that's ten. Um, but you know, like, who cares? Like, honestly, there's just too much pressure to be this perfect human. Well, what is that even like? It's, I don't it's know. perfectly messy. Yeah, like I've got clients in different parts of the world where one's going through a separation at the moment. But her, because of her upbringing and her parents' religious beliefs, they're treating it like it's the worst thing in the world, right? Whereas here, I mean, no one's like high-fiving you going, yeah, well done. But it's far more acceptable. Yeah. To, like it's, it's just sometimes that's what happens. And, but the difference, like a yeah. perfect situation there like the their idea of a perfect marriage is you get married and you stay together until someone dies yeah that's perfect no constituents where a perfect marriage whatever that is but it could be two people coming together having a happy like embracing each other there's so much more to it yeah it just depends where you are it depends who you're talking to it depends on everything the perfect body and perfect hair yeah cultural stuff involved too yeah anyway i must let you go thank you so much for this chat i absolutely love it and um to anyone who's within two hours of newcastle so that includes you people from sydney yes 
You should definitely go to Katie's launch of her yes. book, Messy. Yes, that will be Friday the 1st of November from yes. 6 till 9 um, at the Edwards. So you can get tickets on my Facebook page or um, at Eventbrite. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you can't get there, grab the book. Yes, 15th of October, you can get your hands on a copy. copy. Pre-order. Nice. So and if not uh, that one, then Becoming Brave. Yes, that's out now. So that, yeah, Becoming Brave is beautiful. It still keeps giving, like it still keeps popping up in my feed. And nice. I to keep going back to it. It's one of those books that you can put it down and pick it up and open it a page and see what you need to get that day. I'm actually waiting for you to have the audio out. Yes. Oh, I do need to do, see there's heaps of things. It's like, I do need to do that. I definitely need to do that. I'm not holding my breath. So you have time. But. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It'll get there, but thank you so, so much for having me on. I'm so glad Absolutely. for having me conversation. So thank you for your permission giving to the world. It's just an absolute bomb. We love you. Thanks, Nicole. Bye. Bye.